Welcome to Women's Leadership Today. I'm your host, Michelle Myers. Today, I'm pleased to introduce our guest, John Narrow. John helps mid-career women professionals find a job they love or love the job they have. John's professional walk included a 25-year career in education and is a long-standing corporate consultant for Fortune 500 giant Casio America, Inc. John is also the host of the Mid-Career GPS podcast and author of Show Up, Six Strategies to Lead a More Energetic and Impactful Career, and your Mid-Career GPS, Four Steps to Figuring Out What's Next. He is also a coach for Next Up, previously known as the Network of Executive Women. Well, John, welcome. Michelle, it's an honor to be with you today. I'm so glad we get to spend some time together. Yes, well, John, well, we definitely are excited to have you here today, and we certainly have a lot to talk about. And one thing I'd like to jump in in with is we've definitely been seeing great changes in the employment landscape over the last few years. And I'd like to ask you to start off, what are some of the most notable differences you're seeing, especially for women professionals? It, it's a great starting point because as we start off 2023, we cannot overlook the fact that we are still dealing with the pandemic and the impact that has had specifically on women in the workplace and mm -hmm. how we do our work every day. Just last week, there was an article from the World Economic Forum that shared that women um, make up approximately 39% of the global workforce. And at the mm -hmm. same time, they have suffered 54% of the job losses. When we pair that with a study from the University of Arkansas that cited that women bore a disproportionate amount of the childcare responsibilities, meaning that they were the ones who were more inclined to leave their jobs to tend mm -hmm. to families. And what they found out was that in a two-parent household, um, one in three working mothers um, were solely caring for their children as opposed to one in 10 working fathers. Yeah. So we have to understand that there's a huge impact that women have been facing as a result of the pandemic. And while pre-pandemic, we were seeing greater strides at closing the gender gap um, mm -hmm. between men and women in the workplace, that has definitely taken a huge hit. And so not only are we looking at, again, how do we continue to close the gap, we're also looking at redefining what work looks like. And one of the things that stands out for me the most, Michelle, is that if we go back to March of 2020, almost three years ago, we had people that were shifting their, their living environments, doing work at dining room tables, doing work in their mm -hmm. favorite chairs. The spaces they would come home at night to relax in were now places where they worked. Yeah. We are still redefining what work looks like. And what does work look like for, for people today, especially women? What I see, especially from my clients, is there is a huge struggle and admittedly some resentment about what returning to the work site looks like. For a, over a year, if not two, 
we were all bending over backwards trying to get things done while still driving tremendous results. And then someone is either quote unquote ordering them back to the work site or they're being given a directive that they need to go back to work for a certain amount of time, whether it be full or part-time at the work site. And it's leading to some resentment. And what it is doing, it is causing women especially to reconsider what their work-life balance is. More Mm -hmm. importantly though, what do they want out of their work? If they're having an opportunity to reshape or define exactly what work looks like for them, they're going to take control of the reins as best as possible while honoring all of their family responsibilities and obligations and ensuring that they can still do the work they love, get paid well for what it is that they are doing, and still find the time to raise their families, take care of their aging parents, be with their families the way that they want because there's an opportunity to take greater command and control of that. If their situation isn't ideal, they're going to go out and find out what that, find what that is. And you raise an interesting point there, John, you know, as we're seeing more of a shift from, you know, we went remote, like you said, we were working from our living rooms, our dining tables, and a lot of uh, organizations are now asking people to come back into the office, either full time. Maybe there's a hybrid, how much wiggle room do you think there is right now? How much control does the employee have of over where, where they're working from? It's a great question, Michelle. And of course, it's very individual based on that person's um, employment situation. But I'll also offer it's about the relationship they have with their immediate supervisor and mm. where accommodations may be made. The one thing we know, and this is something that hasn't changed as a result of the pandemic, companies will always look for and want to retain their best talent. So there there are avenues and opportunities to explore where if you need a certain accommodation or you need more flexibility, the challenge there is to ask for it. And for heart-centered leaders, and I've seen this particularly in my practice, A lot of the women I work with often tend to struggle with asking for what they want. Mm -hmm. And it's really about getting clarity around why, what they're asking for, why it's important and not being attached to the outcome because they recognize no matter what happens, they're going to be okay. They will figure something out. But ideally, especially for women who are organizationally loyal, they also want to make sure that they keep this working relationship that is beneficial and advantageous to them as healthy as possible. And I think that's where the line you use quite a bit comes into play very nicely, John, about loving, uh, finding the job you love or loving the job you have. And obviously that means different things to different people, but for those who are, are very loyal to an organization and aren't looking to move on for whatever reason, uh, what can they do? I know you have six strategies for how to show up and give your best. Can you share those with us? Sure. The six strategies are setting ground rules, having intentional conversations, owning where you are, welcoming new opportunities, using your genius, protecting and promoting your brand. 
the idea behind the six strategies came up because not only in my own life and career, but when I was leading teams and even at the start of my coaching practice, people would come and they'd say, I, I need to show up differently. Well, how you show up, Michelle, and how I show up might be a little bit different, and that's fine. That's what makes us unique. But just as somebody goes into an interview and may say something like, you need to hire me because I'm a team player, I would always ask the candidate, tell me how you play on a team because I'm not sure we play the same way. Hmm. The six strategies are there to ground a conversation in the actions, behaviors, and results that we generate because we choose to define how we show up more energetically and impactfully. And when you talk about having intentional conversations, uh, what does that look like? What does that mean? Okay. Imagine there are two empty chairs sitting in a room and you want to have a conversation with someone. You're going to sit in one of those chairs the other person will sit in the other chair. The goal of an intentional conversation is that you move the relationship forward. Having an intentional conversation doesn't mean you always get what you want, you leave with a smile on your face, there's perfect resolutions and things, it's not. The intentional conversation is that there is an objective or goal at the start of the conversation and by the end of it, you have the information you need to move your career forward. Michelle, before I opened my coaching practice full time, I worked for a wonderful organization. I had survived a couple of reorgs, but admittedly during the last one, I didn't land as well as I liked. Mm -hmm. And after dealing with that for a few months, there was a day when I walked into my vice president's office and I had that intentional conversation with her about my career path. What I was seeing was that for where I had landed and where the company saw me, my career path was at best horizontal. And when I asked her those questions directly related to my career path, I ended that, that conversation with, how accurate am I? And I, I want our listeners today to really think about that question in having an intentional conversation. When we ask how accurate am I, we're asking for acknowledgement and validation around whatever it is we are thinking and we are feeling to, to determine where our career is headed. When my VP looked at me and she said, you're right. I had the information I needed to know that I knew what my path was at the organization, and if I really wanted to find a job that I was loving, I needed to go elsewhere. Hmm. And John, when someone gets to an, an impasse like that and they're not happy where they currently are in their profession, what is typically the biggest pain point that they have? Michelle, what I see the biggest pain point is a fear about being stuck. Hmm. And I define stuck as there is either no place for them to go up on the organizational chart. Okay. They're blocked in some way. So people aren't retiring. They're not willing to open up a new position at that level. There isn't capacity. And so when they're stuck organizationally where they can't move up and they don't want to move laterally, the next option is to move outside of the organization. And that's where a lot of overwhelm can come in because now we start thinking, okay, I've got to get my resume updated. I need to be networking more. I need to polish up my interview skills. 
Um, job boards are difficult to navigate, and I know the response rate's not wonderful. In the meantime, and especially for for women, if they're they've got small children at home, they're they've got families, they have aging parents, which a lot of my clients have. It's another thing to fit in an already busy day. Mm-hmm. So when we get overwhelmed, our brain wants to shut us down because it wants to protect us from all this other added stress that we have. And so it creates this cycle where the brain will start saying things like, look, you have it really good where you are. You make a good salary. Why are you trying to change things? You don't have the bandwidth to do it right now. And, and for mid-career women who are typically in the ages around 35 to 50, who haven't hit the mega millions or the Powerball recently or not independently wealthy, they're still looking at a very substantial runway for their career. And what that means is that being stuck isn't an option anymore. So the fear of being stuck is either holding them back or driving them forward to make a change in their career. Well, when someone does feel really stuck in their current position, what is the first thing you coach them to do? I ask them to define four Fs. Now, as someone who had a 25-year career in education, um, teachers and Fs don't really like that. But the four Fs are, it's very simple and straightforward. So the first thing I want to know is define your fit. So what is your fit in the organization? How well do you align to the company's mission and values and goals? Do you like going to work every day? Do you like the people where you work? Um, and, and does the organizational culture align with what you're looking for in an employer? The second F is function. Let's get into the details about how much do you really like the work you're doing day to day. It's fair enough to say we're not gonna love 100% of everything we do, but when that percentage gets smaller and smaller about what you like, there's an opportunity to redefine the function. The third thing is finance. How much are you being compensated? And the last F, and admittedly the most important one, is forward. How does this current position move you forward into either a new role within the organization or position you more strategically for something outside of it? Well, and John, people listening today, I'm sure uh, some are going to say, well, I'm not looking to shift professions or careers yet for, you know, for various reasons. What is something someone can do to fall back in love with the job that they do have and, and get excited, uh, you know, reignite that spark that they once had? I really appreciate that question, Michelle, because it all starts with a thought, Right, We have a thought that we've fallen out of love with our job. And in my training, what I know is that a thought creates a feeling, that feeling creates an action, that action creates a result. If the thought that you're telling yourself over and over again is, I don't like my job, I hate where I work, (laughs) you're just going to, it's like that snowball that rolls down the hill. So one of the things when people want to fall back in love with the job is really about shifting the thought. And I work with them on identifying what is something that really lights them up every day that they get to do. Is it more about working on a particular project? Is it a specific kind of client? Is it about leading and developing talent or managing people that excites them in that part of their day? We want to get back in touch with 
what was it about this job and this company that you initially were excited about that you need to get excited about all over again? And if that's not possible, there's a larger conversation about what does a separation look like when they're ready to move on, but to fall back in love with the job, it all starts with a thought. And John, what is the first real indicator uh, for women you work with that it's time to consider moving elsewhere? Well, for, for the women I work with, and, and, and admittedly, it's also the same for the men I work with here too, it goes back to those four Fs. Something's misaligned. It, it's something with the fit, function, finance, or forward. And right now at the beginning of the year, admittedly, there's a lot of companies who are starting their performance appraisal cycle. Mm -hmm. And I believe that in the performance appraisal cycle, the one thing you're ultimately responsible for is your self-evaluation. But you deserve to have in a performance appraisal meeting with a manager or supervisor who is willing to hold space and invest in learning what you want to do at this point in your career. Where do you want to add more value to the company? What is it that is making you happy and unhappy? One of my favorite books is called How to Say Anything to Anyone by Sherry Harley. Mm -hmm. um, I, I read this book years ago. She's got a fantastic feedback protocol. Um, her company is called Candid Culture. And one of the questions that I gleaned from her book that I, I just, I know it's gold because I've asked it and I've, I, I, it just works so, so well, is that I would sit in these check-in meetings or performance appraisal meetings mm -hmm. with my team and I would say to them, tell me three things you love about your job. Mm -hmm. And they would answer. And then I would say to them, tell me one thing that frustrates you so much that would give you cause, reason, or concern to actually consider leaving the company. Oh, wow. Exactly. Now, imagine having a boss ask you that question. What's the first thought you're going to have? Do you really want me to tell you? <laughs> right? I was just you, thinking that. <laughs> do you really want, like, am I safe enough to actually yes, tell that? That's and, a great and word, so safe. when there's safety, when you trust, when you have that there, people on my team would go, I've never been asked that before. And yeah. I would go, great, now you can answer it. <laughs> and what I learned was that when I, when I held space to learn what their frustrations were, if it was within my control to change that or divert it, that was how I could retain talent. We have to know what is the pivotal point that's going to tip us over the edge that's going to give us cause, reason, or concern to leave. Because I firmly believe, I've seen it in my career, I've seen it with colleagues, I've seen it in my coaching practice, when, when somebody crosses over that bridge, mm -hmm. they're not looking back. They're mm -hmm. gone. And so that's what we have to keep in mind here is, you know, we can do all we can to really try to fall back in love with the job, but if something's misaligned or it doesn't, feel like it's the right fit anymore or admittedly you've gotten you've gotten into a, a bad situation you were promised a promotion it wasn't it wasn't given to you you were promised this responsibility and it went to somebody else if you feel like you're being looked over if you're being if you're not getting opportunities that are there find them elsewhere and john are you finding that uh, women have a lot of options open to them right now. You know, we're still certainly seeing, 
you know, great, uh, I don't know what's the term, um, really ups and downs in the job environment right now as things are so kind of, un, I guess, unstable maybe is the word you could use or volatile, you know, volatile. Yeah, is a great word. Sure. Yeah. And in, in a climate like this, how, what can women do? What kind of options do they have open to them? So the thing that I have found out in, in working with my women clients is that they tend to play it very safe. And in the volatile job market that we have, what gets people noticed is that they're not playing it safe. So not playing it safe doesn't mean being reckless, but okay. you've got to brag about yourself. But bragging about yourself, I want to shift that and actually offer, it's about leaning into your value, your genius. The thing that makes you stand out above everybody else and the key word that I want to offer that needs to be communicated whenever you are networking or interviewing is the word help, hmm. right? When we say, here's how I can help you, the brain is triggered to react to that conversation very differently because defenses will actually go down a little bit. You mean you're going to help me? Well, I'm kind of curious. How can you help me with that? If you look at a job posting or a job description, there are things in there that based on your talent and expertise, you are going to help them with. You are going to solve a particular problem. You are going to add exceptional value. And so the other thing I'll offer here is that when you are talking about how you are going to help them, show them how you have helped. Provide robust and metric-based examples okay. of where your direct impact has positively affected the company. Where'd you bring in more revenue? Where did you save more time? How did you retain talent? Whatever those were, paint a very vivid and robust story that shows them why you are different than everybody else. Even though the market's volatile, I still believe that it is a job seekers market out there. Okay. The power of your networking, the power of making really great connections, and most importantly, the power in how well you tell your story from a place of value and service will get you noticed. And for some, being noticed can be a little uncomfortable, but getting noticed and really leaning into what your genius is is an exceptionally powerful way to show up. And John, it sounds like that's something that we should be doing on a regular basis, even in our current workplace. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, there's one of the practices I, I, I've had. I don't do it as much as I used to. I probably, you're making me think I probably should go back <laughs> to doing this, right? But at the end of a day or even at the end of the week, really take time to say, to write down somewhere what were three things that I did that added exceptional value this week? Mm. We need to really take time and be a little self-centered in a good way and just celebrate the things that we're doing. But one of the things, though, that can happen when we do this exercise is that we don't go deeply enough. Right? So we say, oh, I had a conversation. What was it about that conversation that was significant? Or I led a great project meeting. What was the result of that meeting? If we can keep tying it back to our value and our impact, 
we strengthen and reinforce why we are it, 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 why we are not only valuable but where we don't want to be lost I'm, I'm losing that word like you said volatile right i'm trying to think of um hold, hold on it's it's um uh, it's like irresistible mm-hmm. right we want to be so irresistible that we know and they know we're valuable we're not going anywhere yeah no that makes sense and john i think you uh said earlier this you know this time of year is when a lot of companies are looking at their holding their annual reviews and whatnot. So it seems like this is a good time for all of us to have that inner conversation with ourselves and start looking at those, like I said, at those three things that we're, that we're bringing to the, to the table each week. Absolutely. Michelle, I I would offer if your company has a self appraisal process to take time to do that and you do it for this purpose, you do it for you. You don't do it for your manager. You do it for you to take that walk back over the last year and think about all the things that you have done. Because when you come out of that performance appraisal meeting or whatever happens during your your work year, if there is a time when you feel like the fit isn't right anymore and you're ready to go out and find the job that you love, that self-evaluation, that self-appraisal is a great starting point to truly lean into why you are an incredible professional. And, and look, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer. I have worked in a lot of organizations and, and companies that have been you know, female-centric or, or I've worked with some amazing female leaders. And I have... I am so blessed that I get to work with a lot of female leaders in that regard. We need more of that. We need more of that right now. And, and that's the kind of thing where the more, and I just offer this to, to the women listeners today, right? Lean into why you are incredible, where you make a difference, why you do things differently. Being different is okay. That's fine, but you're awesome. It's <laughs> just like, <laughs> like go out there and damn it, change the world because we need it right now. Yeah. Well, John, thank you so much. I think we all could use that encouragement and really take the time, like you said, for that self-evaluation. It's, uh, I think especially as women, we put so much pressure on ourselves. We want to do and try to be it all for other people, but we don't always take that time to be there for ourselves. So I certainly thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a common trait, Michelle, across all my guests, they are my, uh, my clients rather. Um, they all have really big hearts Hmm. and, and somewhere along the line, we were told that having a big heart, um, wasn't to our best advantage. We feel too much or, um, you know, we don't see things the right way. I just want to offer big hearts, make big leaders. And, oh, and it's really like something to lean into. I really like that line. <laughs> Thank you. All right, John. Well, it has really been a pleasure speaking with you today. And I thank you so much for joining us and sharing your inspirational thoughts and also all your strategies. I think those strategies are tools that all of us can use and put to work for ourselves. 
Thank you, Michelle. I appreciate you letting me come on and share the mic with you today. I appreciate the conversation and, and by all means, certainly keep up the great work. I'm, I'm so thrilled with what you're doing here and I'm glad to be a part of this. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And I'd also like to say thank you to all of our listeners. You can watch us on YouTube and listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found. And we would certainly appreciate it if you like, comment, and subscribe. And certainly please follow along with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and Instagram. All right. Thank you again, John. And thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. Progressive Women's Leadership is passionate about providing the best tools to help you reach your fullest potential. Visit us today at ProgressiveWomensLeadership.com for access to workshops, articles, e-guides, and much more to help you further develop your skills and advance 